Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to A16Z's Crypto Clubhouse Room. You know, this is the inaugural session of the A16Z's Crypto Clubhouse Room. For those who might not know me, I'm Katie Hahn, one of the GPs of the A16Z Crypto Group. And with me tonight um, is one of the founders of the firm, Mark Andreessen, and our special guests, Devin Finzer and Alex Atala, who are the founders of OpenSea. Now, OpenSea has been in the news a lot recently, but for those who haven't been following it, OpenSea is a marketplace for buying and selling rare digital goods, including art, trading cards, domains, collectibles, and more, much more, actually. We'll talk about that tonight. And so tonight, we're excited to speak with Devin and Alex about their founding story, the new era of creative marketplaces, and the future of the digital ownership economy. Um, but before we dive in, just a quick note that this conversation is being recorded. Um, so Devin and Alex, welcome. And Mark, welcome to you as well. Hey, Kitty. Thanks for having us. Thanks, guys. Great. Great. So like one of the first questions, guys, I get um, from the non from from non-crypto people, certainly, um, what is an NFT? So I'd love to hear your own words of, you know, what is an NFT? And then I'll tell you the second question I get. Sure. Well, I think there's many answers to that question, depending on who you're talking to. Um, if you're talking to a person who's not technical, um, the answer might be something like a digital item that you can own, right? So um, if you think about owning a physical thing, when you own something in the physical world, you can kind of do whatever you want with that physical thing, right? You can throw it in the trash, you can go and give it to a friend, um, or you can go and sell it on Craigslist or eBay. Um, with digital stuff, there's all this digital stuff that people own in some capacity, but you don't necessarily have those same property rights that you have over physical things. Um, so for example, if I have an item inside of a video game, maybe I can kind of move it around in that video game, but going and selling it somewhere else or going and using it somewhere else is really tricky. And then there's digital assets that are just completely locked down, right? Like your Twitter handle is sort of this digital asset that you own, but um, you can't really move it around freely. So NFTs, that's, that's kind of an answer for a slightly less technical person. For someone who's a little more technical, it's a brand new primitive, right? So um, if you think about, I think Chris from Andreessen uh, has often made the analogy to the JPEG, right? Where you have this uh, standard for an image that can be used on any device. Um, it's always viewable. If you send it over email, you can always count on a JPEG showing up properly uh, on the web. Um, so it's a new primitive. And uh, the NFT is, is sort of a new primitive for, that's a more powerful primitive that allows you to own things on the internet. Um, and so with an NFT comes these, these sort of certain rights associated with them, the, the right to transfer it um, and the right to go and you know, sell it somewhere. So I'd say there's, there's those two answers depending on kind of which lens you're looking at it through. Great. Alex, anything to add to, the, to Devin's explanation there? Uh, not much. Just, I mean, we're a very internet and digital, uh, internet-based and digital society now. And there's a lot of digital experiences that everybody has, but that have no durability. And NFTs add durability to these experiences. And they're a new type of asset that just has much less depreciation than other types of digital goods. What, what do you mean when you say durability? Because I think of some, some things when you say that word, but what do you mean by that? I mean that there's confidence. There's, there's sort of this legitimacy attached to them. And uh, Vitalik, Peter, and the founder of Ethereum actually wrote a nice paper about this recently. A lot of value that society gives to things is just based on kind of, you know, what, what sort of legitimacy everybody ascribes to that thing. And the fact that these NFTs are, are kind of being backed by tens of thousands of computers that are all mining blockchain transactions means that there's just a lot more confidence and a lot less you know, need to think about whether you trust the issuer. And it means that it's, it's, you're, you're really truly betting on the creator and not the platform that the creator is using. And that's kind of what the creator drive is into NFTs and why it's so exciting for artists, for game developers, for um, virtual world creators, for 
you know, even just software in general. Got it. Well, we're going to get into all of that with creators and everything you just mentioned, but I want to first go to the second question I get. Um, and the second question I get most often for those not in the crypto world is with respect to NFTs is how do I get one? So we have this new digital world with digital goods and um, Alex and Devin, based on your description, I'm convinced this is going to be a big world. How do people get an NFT? Yeah, well, we're a little biased. Um, there's a lot of different ways to obtain an NFT, but um, one way that you can get an NFT is you can go on OpenSea, which is a, a marketplace for NFTs where people not only buy NFTs, but they also relist NFTs for sale. Um, you can browse around, find an NFT that you're excited about. If you need a recommendation, Alex and I are always happy to, to provide uh, NFT projects that we think are particularly interesting. Um, and then you can go ahead and purchase it. Um, you know, if you're buying an NFT and you're holding it, and, and if you're buying an NFT through OpenSea, um, you actually have self-custody of the NFT. And what that kind of means is that you're going to be guided through the process of setting up your own wallet um, that you connect to various websites that um, allow you to display or use your NFTs in some capacity. So one of the most popular wallets is called MetaMask. Um, you can use it on mobile or you can use it on desktop. And once you have a MetaMask, you're sort of you're now part of this new world that some people like to refer to as Web3. Um, and and the, the idea there is that it's sort of a brand new internet where you own your digital stuff. Um, so you can go ahead and, and purchase something. It'll then be in your wallet and you can even then resell it. Now, there's a little bit of friction to, to kind of get into this world. Um, but on OpenSea, we do have a, a flow where you can um, get the currency, which is cryptocurrency, in order to actually make that first purchase. Um, but you know that, all that is to say that there are plenty of other places you can go and get your first NFT. If you're playing a game, oftentimes the game will guide you to buying your first NFT. Um, there are plenty of issuer platforms that allow you to um, purchase creator-based NFTs. So there's a lot of different entry points into the world of NFTs. Now, you said there's a little bit of friction, Devin, and I think, you know, a little bit of friction for people who aren't in crypto yet. And is that because you need cryptocurrency to first buy an NFT? That's correct, though we do have um, a widget on our site that allows you to purchase cryptocurrency directly, not through OpenSea exactly, but on, on the OpenSea website. So if people here who don't have NFTs who are listening tonight want to go buy one, how long would that process take? I mean, just to set up kind of this MetaMask wallet, things like that, um, purchase cryptocurrency. Let's say they don't have any ETH. Um, they don't have any other crypto assets. Uh, in a optimistic case, it could be as, as short as 10 minutes. Um, in a pessimistic case, it could take a bit longer. Well, already, I think just for those of us in this space for a while, that's come a long way. I remember when MetaMask kind of first came out and it was, you know, there's a lot less friction now. So I think it's safe to say these things are evolving. Um, you know, one of the things, um, and I want to bring Mark into this discussion too, and also um, note that I brought up Chris Lyons, Chris Lyons, who runs our cultural leadership fund at Andreessen Horowitz, who is also a proud investor alongside the crypto fund in OpenSea out of CLF. Um, so welcome, Chris. Hey, how's everybody doing today? Fired up for the combo. I had to, I had to switch my avatar to my NFTs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, well, nice. So wait, hold on. Should we ask you, Chris, did you get that NFT on OpenSea? Well, it's, you can trade it on OpenSea. Absolutely. Yeah. So we, between uh, OpenSea and then, I mean, the whole process is with OpenSea. Now you can actually buy and resell and trade uh, and also view other of the crypto punks as well, too. So that's where I did a lot of my, my, my research and the beauty of OpenSea, I mean, we can go into much more details, but just is the power of not only looking at the, the NFT, but a lot of the attributes and the, and the traits. And, you know, I'm currently looking at HashMass right now and, and, and OpenSea is the best platform in order to really double down and go into a lot of the details and the characteristics and the attributes that actually make uh, these NFTs uh, special and rare and interested to buy. So it's a, it's a fun process once you start going down the rabbit hole. <laughs> Uh, Chris, may I ask how much you spent for that avatar NFT? Uh, it was it, it was a, it was I bought it in 3D, so <laughs> it's a, a three, 3D 3D worth of ETH. So it was it was Got a good it. amount. Yeah, it was, it was a good amount, but I I, I was very similar to what Alex was saying. 
um, you know, I, I, I looked at it not only as just from uh, the price, but actually in terms of a value of of holding, um, you know, the, holding the value at the exact same time. And so really thinking about, um, you know, the type of the the type of art that you're purchasing. I mean, CryptoPunks is really interesting, not only because of the scarcity with it only being. 10,000 available, but also it, it was the first um, NFT project that ever existed as well, too. So not only are you, you uh, can look at this as a stored value for your for your currency, but also owning a little bit of piece of history, too. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I know Dylan Field, uh, the founder of Figma, um, was a, a crypto punk holder and then sold his crypto punk. So maybe we'll ask him about that later. But before we get too much further, I wanted to take a step back and think, why now? Like, why, you know, NFTs have been around. Um, Chris and I, Chris Dix and I have been investing in the NFT space for the last couple of years. Um, and you always had to say NFT, you know, that's a non-fungible token. Here's what it is. But now it seems like certainly every time I look at Clubhouse, there's a show, a separate show on NFTs. They're all over the news. They've really gone mainstream. And my my question um for, for any of you is why now? Like, why did it suddenly seem to have taken off this year? Like what changed to allow that? I could, I could uh, take a stab at it. I think uh, it comes down to that um, famous quote that's, uh, you know, people always overestimate how quickly things will happen and then underestimate sort of how big things can get. Um, but a lot of people in 2017 thought that, the now would be then, right? So that right after CryptoKitties launched that people were going to go crazy for NFTs. And in fact, we sort of thought that too. We we were like, these are so cool. Um, you know, this is going to blow up in the next... And, and there were sort of these like early signals that, that this stuff was interesting. Um, and we just thought it was going to go crazy. Um, but of course, like, you know, there was a little bit of a course correction, right? Um, and, you know, the reason it didn't go crazy back then was um, a lot of infrastructure had to be built out. So the wallet infrastructure was just extremely primitive. It was really more of a developer tool. Um, the experiences you could have around NFTs were, you know, pretty isolated at the time, right? There was CryptoKitties, but that was kind of it, right? Uh, OpenSea, for example, was just getting off the ground. Other marketplaces were starting to emerge. Um, and then, you know, my perspective is that a lot of those things evolved over the la- evolved and matured over the last three years and then sort of came to a tipping point in just the last six months. So um, you saw all of these things sort of happen all at once, right? NBA Top Shot launched, which it was, you know, two or three years in the, uh, of development time into the flow of blockchain. Um, there was the Beeple sale, the first, the, the $4 million sale, which started getting artists really interested in this. Um, there was the whole DeFi craze, which sort of provided a foundation for the NFT ecosystem. Um, so I wouldn't, I would definitely, uh, in my opinion, it's not just one, one thing. It's sort of the accumulation of a lot of hard work from a lot of different companies all working in tandem. Um, and, you know, it's the first time, I mean, we've, and all of this is sort of resting on the existing internet, right? Everyone's hyper-connected. Um, you have, you sort of take the, take for granted an internet connection. Um, and then you layer on a blockchain layer on top of that. And suddenly you can create just these brand new experiences. Um, so, so yeah, I would say it's sort of just the natural evolution of these things is it takes time for the technology to really mature and the experiences to get better. But eventually you sort of bend that curve and things start to go pretty crazy. And that's, that's what we've seen in the last just two or three months. Yeah. And I'm glad you, you mentioned NBA top shots because, and also you mentioned crypto kitties and the funny thing is for those um, listeners who don't know this, you know, the, it's the same team behind those projects and, you know, crypto kitties, for those who also may not have been following the space at the time, one of the infrastructure limitations was it literally kind of was said to have broken Ethereum, right? It slowed down and clogged the Ethereum blockchain so much um, that the team behind CryptoKitties realized they needed to build their own blockchain, and that's the Flow blockchain. Um, and so they stuck with it, and now um, they're also the team behind NBA Top, Top Shot. So it just goes to show what sticking in the space and building can do. And you guys, Alex and Devin, you know, OpenSea, I guess, went through that a bit too, right? It's not like you just founded OpenSea last month. Can you talk a little bit about that, the founding story? Sure, I can take that one first. So we started in mid-2017 looking at 
crypto kind of critically. We were seeing all these ICOs happen and a lot there were a lot of bad ones and some interesting ones. And one thing we noticed is that there were a lot of very good developers that we knew who were getting interested. And th- there was definitely some kind of hypothesis to be proven out. And Devin and I were both doing you know, jobs that you know, we wanted to kind of have something interesting that we could work on on the side. And we started playing around with a couple ideas. We went to a couple hackathons. He and I knew each other from before through a mutual friend. Yeah, how did you meet? Actually, Alex, can I ask, how did you guys meet? We met through one of my roommates in college who was at, I think, did a high school program with Devin. And they were, you know, they, they like they'd stayed in touch while I was in college. And then Devin, I think, moved to San Francisco during or moved to the Bay Area for his Google internship and then stayed when he was working at Pinterest. And when I moved to San Francisco, uh, we we just met up and started going to the same social events and same tech events. And the first tech event we went to that was crypto related was um, run by Miko Matsumura called Crypto Underground in San Francisco. And we started learning a bit about the the scene there and tinkering around with a couple ideas. The first idea was a router that would kind of give you access to a guest network in, a, in exchange for you paying a cryptocurrency as sort of a way of paying on a packet level for the, the amount of bandwidth you consume in some sort of networked guest network. So we did, we were, we did TechCrunch Disrupt with it, and then um, we, get, we got into YC with it, and then, we, then the CryptoKitties explosion happened at the end of December. And it was clearly something new. I mean, there were all these fungible currency projects and all of these you know, ICO communities, mostly filled with people who were just concerned about you know, making money and not really about the tech behind the projects. But with CryptoKitties, it was, it was almost the opposite. There were a lot of people just playing the game because they thought it was fun in a new way. Um, and there were a lot of people, you know, making money off doing it. We, we met some people who were making $30,000 a week just breeding crypto kitties, let alone reselling them. And the, the communities were, were fascinating. Like, we joined all these Discord groups, all these, like, you know, groups of, of early users talking about trading these digital items. And... We, we felt like there was something here that would grow a lot bigger than CryptoKitties and that would become kind of a, an asset class that needed a, a place to discover new projects. Um, there weren't very many. There was just CryptoPunks and CryptoKitties at the time. So we built OpenSea for, for just those two projects at the very beginning. And we built a way to like discover assets, let people put them on sale, um, discover projects that were similar uh, there were some Magic the Gathering inspired projects. There were a lot of CryptoKitties inspired projects. Um, there were also some unique utilities that popped up. There was like someone who was making software licenses for a crypto trading bot that he wanted to make NFTs so that you know too many people didn't game his algorithm. So like enforce scarcity at the application membership level, and uh, all these experiments just. You know, every once in a while, had one giant takeoff project. And these takeoff projects just every few months were bigger and bigger than the last. Um, and it eventually brought us to where we are today. Wow, great. Well, um, you know, one of the things that you just mentioned when you were telling that story is how the experiences were much more limited then you know, with, in the crypto kitties era, um, just what you could do with kind of these digital goods. What are the new types of experiences in this, you know, fast forward a couple of years in the world of digital goods? So you're talking about not the ones that you can experience currently, but the ones that you can, you'll be able to experience in a, in a few years. Is that right? 
Well, actually, let's even talk about currently, and then I want to look to the future and talk about in a few years, because I know, you know, the three of us have spent a lot of time talking about, you know, what's next? What do we think is going to be the next explosion? And I definitely want to get to that. Um, but even now, like some of the new experiences and just how you see some of the communities that have evolved. I mean, we, we spend a lot of time in the crypto vertical talking about how it's really not just the goods or the collectibles, but the communities behind them too. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, it's funny. I think a lot of folks who are new to the space have maybe been exposed to sort of the really like more popular mm -hmm. NFT projects, some of the celebrities kind of creating NFTs and, and those types of things. But there is this whole more, not exactly underground world, but this whole world of projects that have actually been around for a while and have a lot more of a sort of gaming experience associated with them. So one of my favorite projects in the space um, is, is a pretty small project, but it's called CryptoVoxels. Um, and it's essentially a sort of Minecraft type experience where you own land. Um, and when you own that, when you and that land is an NFT, when you own a piece of land, you can build stuff on top of it in this sort of very primitive but cool looking virtual world. So people build all sorts of things inside of CryptoVoxels. They build museums, um, they build event venues, they build um, art galleries. And what's exciting about it is, um, again, because you own your NFT and because it can work across any application, you can actually bring in your NFTs from other projects inside of these virtual worlds. So for example, people create CryptoKitties museums or CryptoPunks exhibitions or you know all of these sort of interesting things you can do when you can bring in digital assets from really anywhere on the internet, right? Um, and the other interesting thing about that economy is the economy is entirely community-owned. So um, one day, the founder of CryptoVoxels showed up on OpenSea and he started selling plots of CryptoVoxels. They're called parcels, but they're basically plots of lands. He sold them for maybe like 0.1 ETH each. Not a lot of people bought them, but a few did. <laughs> um, and uh, he kept on building the world. He kept on improving it. Um, and now, uh, you know, I think maybe uh, six months or so ago, we had a, a bundle of parcels sell for over $100,000. So this economy has turned, in, turned from sort of a early adopter project and, you know, really small thing to now this thing that, you know, a lot of people have uh, interest and in, in stake in. Um, and there's people who are even kind of being sort of mini virtual real estate agents who are figuring out like, what's the right price for this parcel of land. And, you know, there's even talk of taking out loans on your virtual land and plugging it into the rest of the crypto ecosystem. Um, so it's really evolved into this thing where the entire community who's been devoted to the CryptoVoxels project has been able to really benefit from its growth and benefit from being involved early. Um, so that's an interesting one that you know maybe fewer people know about because it, you have to kind of go deeper to experience it, but uh, it's a really cool one in my opinion. This is that virtual world thing, which I think is so fascinating. Devin, actually, you and Alex were the ones who, who first told me about crypto voxels. I don't know if you guys know that, but um, you know, I, I feel like I should have listened to you when you first mentioned it and bought some parcels. I also think it's funny that you say <laughs> mini real estate agents, because actually like there's a whole economy being created here, right? And we, we might say mini, or that was your word, not mine, but mini real estate agent now. Like you can imagine as these parcels become more valuable in virtual worlds, this is actually um, could even, I'm not going to say that it could overtake the physical world, but um, it might be a full-time job, right? Or wrong. That's right. I mean, yeah, I, no, 100%. Uh, go for it, Alex. Are you going to say something? Yeah, there's, I mean, the, there's a huge unlock moment here when creators, when, when game creators like CryptoVoxels can become profitable or hit sustainability with way fewer users than before. I mean, you, you don't have to have millions of users buying a $10 game or a $20 a month subscription in order to like sustain the game and sustain the development. Instead, you need a few but very passionate group of super fans who are buying the real estate of the game or buying the, the art if it's, a, if it's an artist. And it's just a lot easier to distribute your content that way. It's, it's, a, it's a lot more direct, too. And you don't have to go through you know, 
middlemen services or set up something complicated. So it's just like a different way of distributing digital content and digital experiences. Well, I think that point is really important. Um, and this is just a major unlock with respect to NFTs is, you know, about how creatives and artists and just people outside of the industry can become part of the NFT community. And I'd love to, you know, Chris, like you spent a lot of time thinking about this. Can you, can you talk a little bit and, and tell us what you're seeing? Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, I think one of the NFT community is a real community and it, and it's, it's different than, you know, a lot of other worlds where, I felt like, you know, even for me, sometimes trying to get into the niche communities, like learning about the crypto punk communities or learning about hash mass or learning about other projects, you start to understand one, like uh, just there's a lot of people who are just forward thinking and future thinking and, and allows you to really start to get a better understanding for where the future of the world is going. And also the communities are always super, super open to helping uh, and help, helping people understand because we all know that. As, as part of being part of the NFT community um, and, and and even the broader crypto community, like it, we want this to thrive. We want this to be successful. We want this to take off. And so having evangelists and having thought leadership and people really coming together, I feel like it's a community that that I haven't seen in, in a lot of spaces and, and it's super exciting and inspiring at the same time. Um, you know, I think that when and also just by default, by trying to get into the NFT space, I think Devin mentioned it, is that, you know, people have never really got a chance to understand what crypto is and how to actually use it. I remember my first time spending ETH like it was on it was on a, a crypto kitty. And, and I was just and it almost felt like you it was like your first time learning how to you know ride a bike without tricycles. Like it was like. It's it's a it's a very special experience, and so I encourage everyone on OpenSea. You have an opportunity to purchase, you know, token uh, uh, NFTs at all sizes of, of and all prices, and and to really help start you get into the community. I think as we're starting to expand, um, you know, things like Topshop is 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 creating communities and, and allowing conversations, and there's Discord groups for you to come in and, and and learn and speak and 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 get a better understanding about how to you know buy, sell, and resell different projects. Uh, we're seeing a ton of space, a ton of artists, um, musicians are trying to think about how to release, whether it's unreleased music or unreleased uh, videos that have never been seen before. So imagine if you're a famous rapper and you and you have behind the scenes footage of of a, of a verse that you've never seen before, and you want to be able to give that to one of your fans and as an NFT, and so that they can have the one of one exp, uh, video or one of one verse that nobody's ever heard before. Like before, the the only way to do that was to you know upload a video and put it on YouTube or share it on Spotify, and now uh, creators are really starting to look at this as a new medium and so you know at the end of the day like uh i've been doing a lot of studying just learning about just like the traditional renaissance that happened in the 1400s uh, where where you know everyone from mona lisa to david and um you know and and um you know the medici family all coming together to really help jumpstart a, a creative culture and i feel like what's happening uh in the rise of of this nft world as well as the digital creative world is that you're starting to see artists at um, musicians athletes scholars technologists thinkers all coming together willing to work together and support each other i think the nba top shop is is a great example where the you know you have players highlights video and and you know technologists all coming to create something that's bigger than all of us and i think that more and more projects are are, are going to come underway and and at the end of the day it's super special because this is really just continuing to push technology and culture forward and, and create a halo effect around innovation which is which is the ultimate goal uh for all the companies that that we want to work with and all the projects that we're excited to support well, you know, Chris, I'm glad you just said that because you said two things that really resonated. One was culture. You know, you're investing in culture. And it reminds me of a tweet I saw. I'm probably going to mispronounce her name, but um, it's Ava Balin. I don't mm -hmm. know if you guys saw this, but it said, she said, NFTs are basically the opportunity to angel invest in culture, which I thought, you know, that was a super interesting take. Um, and then, Chris, you also said something about niche. Um, and I'm glad you described it as you just did because 
you know, one of the kind of critiques I've heard, I was actually speaking to kind of a senior government official yesterday, um, trying to explain like crypto is about much more than just Bitcoin. It's much more than just currency, you know, and, and talking about this new creator economy. And um, they said, well, you, you know, it is sure, but that's so niche, you know, pointing to the Beeple $69 million sale. It is an example of, you know, this is just really for an elite few, or mm-hmm. maybe it's niche in the sense it's for, you know, some kind of nerds collecting weird stuff or even, you know, sports fanatics. But why is that the wrong view um, mm. to you guys? Why is that the wrong view? Why is it much more than that? I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll go first and I'd love to hear everyone else's feedback. I, I think it's the, the wrong form of view because all of the best projects and all the best things start off with very small communities. And I think that you have to have people who are super passionate about, um, you know, things that, like that aren't necessarily going to be in the mainstream world. If you look at all the major technology platforms, at some point people always consider that a bad idea. And and of course, you know, like we have a thesis of good ideas that look like bad ideas are always the companies and projects that you want to you know take a closer look into. And so, I think in the world of of NFT and crypto, uh, it, it's also the same thing where if you look at it as just like a pixel, you're missing the boat. You know, I bought my first piece of art and it was from a guy in Ghana that had a digital NFT and I bought it on, I bought it and like I would have never, ever been able to purchase something from an artist in Ghana. Uh, but because of the internet and because of the, the, the marketplaces that are evolving, um, it gave me a connection point for me to experience his art and for me to have a communication with him. And also now I can share that with others to ultimately help uh, take an artist and, and hopefully, you know, expand their their reach uh, beyond their, their different areas as well, too. And so, um, I mean, that's one of the most niche examples uh, that, that I can pr- present. And But now, ultimately, it's about us expanding. And I think that we're at the very... We're still at the early stages with 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 where the future of a lot of these technologies and a lot of the the NFT world is going to go, but it's going to take a bunch of niche communities that are ready to, uh, you know, not worry about what the fa- what the what the past looks like and really focus on building the future. And I think the more that we do that, the more we can really create uh, an, an incredible ecosystem within the crypto world and, and ultimately. You know, just within just within technology in general, I, I believe that crypto is going to be here to stay, and it's going to be a part of everyone's everyday life. I mean, Elon just announced today that you can buy a Tesla with crypto, and so then there's many more things that are going to be coming. And so, I think that you know, thinking small is thinking that, that this is going to go away, versus really being excited about you know finding finding your niche and and being uh, you know building a community out of it. Yeah, Alex or Devin, what, what what do you guys think about why it's the wrong view to think it's it's just for a certain small few? Well, I wonder if I mean, this this might be a, a separate question, but I wonder why people think it's niche. Um, and my guess is that it's because the current industries are are on the new side. You know, it's not. Fortnite that's making NFTs right now. And it's not, you know, things like the Mona Lisa being sold as NFTs either. It's brand new goods and brand new experiences that are working really well right now. And the the legacy experiences and legacy goods haven't had giant NFT projects yet. Um, Like Top Shots, for example, is not selling baseball cards for NBA players. It's selling a completely new type of collectible, a, a video of an event happening in basketball. It's a brand new experience. So because it's maybe it's because it's so new, all these these uh, goods being sold, it seems kind of niche. But I don't. That might not last forever. And I also think these new experiences are going to be potentially a lot higher value than the old ones because we've got creators who there's a there was a hidden market all along with artists with people who make digital art and who are loved by their fans, who have, you know, followings of people who appreciate what they're making, but just had no way of building careers around that, no way of distributing their work. Um, and now they do. It's just like how Etsy, you know, discovered this hidden market around uh, 
craftsmanship, people at home making handmade goods that everyone wants all around the world, but there wasn't a good distribution vehicle for it. So it's it's just like new experiences and new events that are going to get distributed very efficiently with NFTs. Well, and when you talk about distribution channel, I mean, one thing that comes to mind is different and actually bigger for NFTs over like the Etsy that you're talking about is over a physical good on Etsy is something like, you know, Chris mentioned the digital artist that he bought an NFT from uh, the creator in Ghana. My first NFT was purchased from uh, an artist in Spain, an NFT artist in Spain, you know, relatively unknown. I mean, not, it was not people. Um, And the cool thing to me is that he profits in perpetuity from future sales. And I think that's one thing that people don't realize is that the creators can elect to have a take on future sales. Can you guys talk a little bit about that and what you're seeing um, from kind of some of the creators? Yeah, I think that's definitely one of the um, really cool pieces of the space is that ultimately you can encode really sophisticated incentive structures into the buying and selling of these goods. And I actually personally think it goes beyond just rewarding the artist uh, for the sale. Um, I think that's super compelling and it's a super interesting economic model. But actually, I think the design space is much wider than just that, right? You could imagine a world where like, you know, the artist is rewarded when the when there's a secondary sale, but also maybe the person who like found the buyer or like the who referred the person to um, the website where it was purchased. Um, so you could have these really, I mean, the design space is basically w- what you can create when you have uh, native internet money, right? And there's just so many different things you can do that is that are really hard to do when you're working with um, traditional banking systems and and trying to do micropayments in an environment where it's it's just not um, you know built for that, right? So um, I think one of the, yeah one of the super compelling things for creators is this idea that you know if you reward your if if you sell off your work and it was you know slightly undervalued and then you become famous um, currently in the sort of analog world there's no way for you to benefit from that um, and in in the digital world you can encode those sorts of policies directly into the marketplace or in some cases, directly into the NFT. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's a very compelling story for, for artists who, who you know, traditionally wouldn't even necessarily be able to monetize their digital work. Yeah. Well, and, and for early collectors too, right? I mean, for the, yeah. and it's not, we're talking about a lot of art, but it's for much broader categories than art, um, right? I mean, it's for all kinds of things. Um, and, and, and I want to transition to what, what do you see will happen next in terms of behaviors or trends? Like what verticals do you think will blow up next? We've always been really excited about gaming as a vertical. Um, I think it's just been challenging for it to work well on Ethereum where transaction costs are pretty high. Um, I do think we'll see the continuation of this trend of just more and more media turning into NFTs. So we're seeing tons of, you know, artists, creators, musicians, influencers, really everyone, you know, even folks who are not, who don't consider themselves creative, but, you know, have an audience and, and want to sort of reach out to them and, and give them, as you said, sort of some ownership in um, their work. We're seeing all of those people come on board and it's really the wild west. People are experimenting with what resonates with people. Um, so, you know, it starts with these really simple collectibles where the main use case is just buying it, owning it, and maybe selling it in the future or displaying it somewhere. But uh, layered on top of that, you could imagine these things having really interesting utility associated with them. So uh, an event ticket could be an NFT um, that gives you exclusive access to a particular group or something like that. Um, And then, of course, in the gaming space, the utility is the use case within within the actual virtual world where you might be able to bring your NFT. Um, so I would say over the next year, we really expect the diversity of use cases to expand dramatically. Um, we expect gaming to start really taking off, um, especially with these layer two solutions that allow for um, 
better transactions uh, or, or cheaper transactions um, and really just people getting super creative with the technology and trying out a bunch of things. When you said access to event, can you, to an event, can you um, explain that a little further? I think it's a really interesting example, and I I want to unpack that a bit. Sure. So, um, an NFT can represent anything, right? Um, it, in fact, you know, to not to talk to that example, but to talk to a more dramatic example, an NFT could represent a certificate that allows you to redeem a physical bottle of wine, and this is actually a project that. Uh, launched an OpenSea a while back where they tokenized uh, wine bottles um, and allowed them to be traded digitally and then redeemed for uh, the actual physical asset if you wanted to. Um, so in the same way that an NFT could represent uh, a physical thing if you if you want it to, an NFT could also represent uh, an event ticket um, or uh, access to an event, right? So in that scenario, you could have these, these open marketplaces like OpenSea that are trading around the event tickets um, in just in the same way that they would trade any NFT. Um, but then you can go and take that and, you know, at the door of the event, if we were, if we weren't in COVID times, you could show that you own this thing and then be, you know, it works like a, a regular event ticket. And then, but it, it, there's some kind of life for it beyond the event. No. That, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's another piece of it. Right. So sometimes people collect their, um, ticket stubs to like the concerts that they attended, you could have the same sort of collection mechanic, um, where, you know, it persists beyond your attendance of that event. And you can kind of show it off as like, you know, I went to this particular thing way back in the day, um, you know, in kind of a similar, similar way. And I, I imagine that would allow the kind of artist, um, or content creator to also be able to interact more with those really early loyal fans. Yeah, there's a lot of NFTs that give you access to some event and then also a very cool perk that's either redeemable once or redeemable in perpetuity. Um, Blau, Justin Blau, for example, also known as Blau, went and did a, a an auction for music NFTs that would give the owner a, access to a brand new single um, or a, a piece of unreleased music in addition to the ability to collaborate with him on something new. And you know, in addition to like a vinyl that you could redeem as a physical good. So there's a lot of, it's very easy to add these it, like additional stores of value on NFTs because you don't have to, it's really easy to distribute. Just get the owner to come to you and, and ask for the, the item. And you don't have to worry about trust or escrow or weird things like that. It's just the creator's reputation to make those things happen, and and that's important, though, right? I mean, what what a, how do we have any kind of assurance for some creators that they will make those things happen? How do you guys think about that? Yeah, a lot of it is on their reputation. Uh, we haven't seen a lot of people abuse that yet, and the community is pr- it, it's just kind of like you know reputation for startups or entrepreneurs in general. NFTs are turning creators into entrepreneurs in a sense where they're they're sort of like mini products and they represent a way of packaging up value and giving that value to your fans. And they're just incredibly powerful because they're kind of like, I really like that, that quote you brought up, you know, they're, they're a way of angel investing into culture. They're a way for your fans to bet on your success. And, you know, they, they're getting something that, that does something. They're getting something that's inherently appreciable, but they're also uh, getting the ability to win with you. And that that means that your incentives are aligned with your fans and it's it's really dumb to just cut them loose and you're sacrificing a lot of future value when you do. So the incentive structure protects a lot of the economy right now. Sure. And, the, and the, the, the fans know that they're actually supporting you. Like if you're in the in the music industry, you know, if you're listening to a stream, it goes to the label and then the label distributes it from the publishing and then you get your percentage. But now, you know, if you put a piece of art up or if you put a song out um, through an NFT or on, on OpenSea or wherever, that, then that means that, um, you know, the artist knows exactly who they're supporting and you're starting to see a lot more, um, you know, back in the day, like when you had that, 
that that true relationship with the fan uh or the or you know the supporter or whatever now you're seeing that start to come a lot a lot more even here on clubhouse like it's been awesome to see um you know artists come on and 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 talk about their project and be and tell the real story and and interact with their fans and, and allow you to have a much more personal experience and and that's what art is all about uh and and i think that you know and the nft space is really becoming that medium to allow uh you know that knowledge transfer and that 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 connection point to really come to a, a much higher level a deeper level Agreed. Well, we've talked a little bit about then the indie creator, if you will, angle, the collector angle, even the celebrity angle, the musician angle. Um, can you guys talk a little bit about companies getting involved at a high level? Um, what is the angle for companies to get involved? Well, we're seeing everybody is trying to get involved. It is a, it's a tsunami right now. We're we're seeing a lot of, I guess, a lot of talent managers look at ways to give their clients kind of a, a more like a, a fine experience for this NFT explosion, and we're seeing we're seeing some tech companies get interested in figuring out how to give their users uh, something that's tradable that drives both more users into their platforms and uh, kind of a, a way of capturing value for the earliest users that a user that a platform acquires. Are, are these like companies, and I know you guys can't talk about too many details, but can you give a sense, are these companies, you know, big, huge companies or these tech startups? Like what kind of companies are you guys talking to? Yeah, the uh, big ones. There, there's, Every, all different sizes, but including the biggest. Um, they're all kind of looking at this like, is there something new here? Okay, you know, there's definitely a, uh, there's something that people are really passionate about that is, that's virally spreading around. Um, does it make sense? What, is, what, is, what makes sense for us? Like, should, should this be built into the actual product or should we be launching an NFT collection of our own? Uh, and a lot, there's kind of two phases to getting involved. One is making an NFT collection as a company. Uh, we have a, you know, mostly small companies have done this so far. Like um, there's a startup called Yellowheart that made their own NFT collection on OpenSea. And they used it to launch the Kings of Leon's new album that came out two weeks ago. And they, you know, they launched tickets that give you access to any Kings of Leon concert anywhere in the world. And addition to like a way of getting the album when it launches in a few weeks. So, and, and these companies will either make things that are branded off the name of the company or specially created NFT collections for every new type of content that they want to launch. So we, we spend some time consulting and, and helping them decide what to do. And then for the ones that haven't done anything yet, uh, building interesting experiences or helping their developers learn all our work. We've we've spent a lot of time building developer tools and and developer resources to help the indie crowd get involved and build NFTs. And now we're making all that stuff more serious, um, adding more scalability, and translating it. Well, so we know a bit about what's working on OpenSea and for NFTs generally, but are there things that just don't work well for NFTs? Uh, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I actually be curious to hear how you guys think about how the 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 NFT world and the physical world can really start to come together. Like whether it's like clothing or you know physical art pieces or other things like that where you can not only have the collect the digital collectible but also you know the physical component as well because that's often like the number one backlash of people or thing that they always say to try and you know talk down if it gets nfts is that the only place you could ever see it is on your screen uh on your phone screen but now we're starting to see that the, that the hybrid between the digital and the physical world is starting to come together as well yeah, I think that is a it is a challenging area, but one that um, you know people are experimenting with. So the ways we've seen it done so far 
are one, the simplest way is you separate the custody of the asset with the ownership of the asset, right? So what I mean by that is you could have a, um, and Unisox is a classic example. So for those of you who aren't familiar with Uniswap, it's one of the biggest um, trading pro- or the biggest trading uh, projects on Ethereum at the moment. Um, and what they did was they said, okay, we're going to issue a token um, and it represents a pair of socks. And you can buy this token. And after you buy it, you can do one of two things. You can tri- you can sell it um, or you could redeem it for a pair of socks. So what this creates is a liquid market for unisocks um, and, you know, an absurd uh, price for unisocks at the height. I can't remember how much people were buying for them or uh, selling them for, but um, you can basically have this digitally traded asset that represents a physical thing. And what's interesting about that is you can make markets for it. You can plug it into the crypto ecosystem. You can do all of these sort of crypto native things with this while the actual asset never actually moves hands. So that's one approach that people are taking, which is really interesting. Um, and then there are other sort of more like sophisticated things that people are talking about around like, okay, maybe you have sort of a incentive system where um, you, uh, you, you sort of deposit or you stake some, some money um, or some crypto. And if you, and then that sort of comes with the agreement that you're going to send the physical asset to the buyer um, and then that money gets slashed if the um, if the buyer doesn't receive it or something like that. I haven't, I haven't really seen that work out. Maybe maybe other people know about those types of projects. Um, so what I think is an interesting starting point is having the digital representation of a physical asset that is custodied separately. The other, and the, as you can tell, the design space for this, again, is extremely wide. Um, the other thing that people are doing is they're having these sort of digital twins. So you have the or even the physical twin. So for example, you buy an NFT and it's this sort of, it's at first it's a, like the, the primary NFT is the digital thing, um, the digital piece of art, but then you can replicate it physically. So you could have like t-shirts that, you know, show off your CryptoPunk or um, there's a, a company called Infinite Objects that sort of allows you to have these displays of your digital art. Um, but interestingly enough, the model is flipped, right? You have the digital being the primary thing that you buy, and then the physical is sort of the copy of it. Um, so again, it's it's sort of like people are trying things on all in all different directions. Mm-hmm. That reminds me of like online stores and physical stores, and it's kind of flipped now, right? We've seen that recently. Like it used to be that every physical store then started an e-commerce site, and now it seems like the stores online are actually doing a much higher volume than the original physical store. Yeah, and the and it's kind of it's also what's driving the collectible vertical in NFTs that people people want to trade the digital items more than the physical ones, and it's because the physical ones you have to grade, you have to figure out if it's damaged, if it's real, uh, where it came from, and that stuff is really hard to do, and it's sort of a big mental overhead issue for collectors. So with like Devin said, a lot of these, a lot of the physical plus digital NFT projects, the physical item is sort of the, it's like a receipt or a trophy or, or something that embellishes the digital one. Right. And they're also harder. I mean, like a, a digital one, you can, you know, you can try and back with the world. You don't have to worry about how to get it physically to someone, especially if it's, you know, if it's valuable, but it's not worth a fortune, you're not going to fly to the other side of the world to deliver it. So I imagine in the digital world, that's just much easier. Yeah, plus no need for bank accounts if you have crypto. Right. Well, one <laughs> that's right. One way I think about OpenSea is that it's sort of like Amazon, but for the digital ownership economy. But then on the other hand, I think crypto is decentralized. So I wonder if that comparison really holds true. And also how the idea of one central marketplace fits in the crypto world. And relatedly, like, how are you different from other NFT platforms? Yeah, I can I can take a stab at that. Um, yeah, we definitely do see ourselves as sort of an Amazon style experience at the moment. And you know, I think one thing uh, to keep in mind is this space is going to evolve over time. And um, you know, our 
our strategy will evolve as the asset class expands and you know we we learn more about what consumers really care about but i would say as a company we've always been really focused on customers so um you know providing users with kind of the best experience to come in and experience the magical world of nfts um that does mean that at the moment you know it is a little more crypto native than some of your other platforms but we're making incremental improvements to that to make sure that users can actually you know have a have a great user experience around purchasing an nft but also get the full experience of what it means to to own an nft and move it across different applications and and be interoperable with all of this interesting stuff that's happening um but you know over time we think that this asset class is going to expand dramatically um it's you know it'll probably have uh, a few cycles to it right a few boom and bust um, cycles. But over time, we think that this will ultimately be the biggest economy uh, on the planet that's powered by this this technology and that users are going to need an entry point to experience it and an entry point to be able to discover the best quality content, the best prices, um, and the things that they're ultimately interested in purchasing. And you know that from a consumer standpoint, that looks a lot like an Amazon. From an infrastructure standpoint, it might look a bit different than an Amazon, right? It's more around integrating with these new sort of underlying technologies that are evolving, um, but trying to make it as easy for the user to, again, like discover the thing that they want to purchase. Um, so we'll, we'll see how it evolves over time. But that's the general vision of OpenSea is just a very broad marketplace where you can kind of uh, explore all of the different things that are coming online. Well, when you talk about the biggest economy on the planet um, and how big it's going to be, Devin, you know, one thing that comes to mind is a lot of people are talking about crypto's impact on the environment. And I'd love if you could speak a little bit to that. I know you've gotten, um, you've been talking about different proof of stake blockchains, but what are your thoughts there if this is really the biggest economy on the planet and what that means? Yeah, well, I think one one thing that um, is maybe a a clarifying point is um, sometimes I think people get a little bit confused with that argument and they think that like NFTs specifically are damaging the environment. Um, NFTs are a specific application on a, on a blockchain, which is this giant world computer that currently is very energy inefficient, right? It relies on an algorithm known as proof of work or a consensus algorithm known as proof of work. Um, and what's exciting is that uh, the entire crypto industry from the it, you know, from the the token side, from the decentralized finance side to the NFT side, is moving away from that uh, particular algorithm to things like proof of stake. And to kind of dumb it down, uh, proof of stake is essentially a way to power a blockchain through a decentralized network of computers that does not require huge amounts of energy um, to to run it. So. Um, one of the things at OpenSea that we're super excited about, and we've actually been focusing on as a company for the last uh, six months or so, has been decoupling, uh, you know, from just Ethereum. Um, so Ethereum is currently a proof of work blockchain, but there's lots of new blockchains that are coming online um, that don't have those same properties. And we actually already have a few projects um, live that are. Uh, using these brand new blockchains that are less environmentally intensive um, or energy intensive, so um, it's sort of a problem that's being collectively solved by this by the space. But it is definitely like a significant problem, um, and you know, by no means is it something that the the crypto community should ignore. Well, I guess we're almost out of time to wrap up. You know, Mark, I I'm sitting here wondering if you think we should double down on NFTs and if you see any parallels. Um, to other areas of crypto or even just the web. Yeah, so look, this this has been a great conversation. I think hopefully people can get a, get a sign of uh, sort of a insight into kind of why we're, we're so excited about all this, both 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 obviously this company, but also the broader trend. You know, I guess the the big thing I just leave people with is kind of you know my 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 sort of general concept of software, software eats the world that kind of really applies here. Um, you know, which is like there's this sort of obvious comparison. You know, and, and you guys have talked about this tonight to try to compare sort of digital collectibles or digital goods. Um, or you know digital uh, digital tokens to kind of you know their their sort of real world equivalents and so like a piece of NFT art you know sort of compared to a piece of physical art literally made with paint and canvas and of course you know that that stuff is all is is, is all really important but you know as you guys have described you know the the real thing that happens here I think over the next you know decade 
um, is that NFTs like Bitcoin and cryptocurrency like operate firmly in the world of software, right? Which means that all of the creativity and power of software can be applied, right? And, 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 and you know, the, and of course, the thing that makes software just like really different than anything in the, <laughs> in the quote unquote real world is that, you know, soft, software can infinitely change and infinitely expand. Right, and can take on like all kinds of functions and capabilities that you could you could never do in the real world, um, and so the scope and range and breadth and depth um, and variation and, and exploration and creativity, uh, you know, in this space is just going to you know dwarf you know historically what's happened in in, in kind of domains like art uh, in the past, and so the, the level of creativity here is I think just going to be sky high, you know, compared to what what people have seen in the past, and I'm I'm, I'm really excited to see see how it unfolds. So let me end on this note: Where can people learn more <laughs> about you guys? So uh, you can follow us on Twitter uh, at OpenSea um, or Instagram at OpenSea. Uh, and yeah, and our website is, is OpenSea.io. And, and I will say, Alex, you gave me the tip on um, moon, the moon cats before they blew up. So when Alex says he'll give you tips, he really does mean it. Guys, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Chris, Lyon, thank you. And Mark, thank you. And um Let's let's call it a wrap for the first session of the A16Z Crypto Clubhouse. Thanks for having us. Bye, right, y'all. Good. See, you later. Thanks, Thanks, Take Thanks, care. See you later. See you later.